With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Lombardi Line with Mike Palm and Mike Pritchard. Now here's your host, Timmy Abebefe, on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside to the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi line, and the gang is back together on a football Friday triple option once again. Femi Bebefe alongside Mike Palm, the VP of Operations here at the Circa Resort and Casino. Mike Pritchard, our VEASAN NFL analyst, played nearly a decade in the National Football League, former first-round pick and a national champion with the Colorado Buffaloes. Gentlemen, how are we doing? It's been a while since all three of us have been together. The bye Weeks are over, right? Sorry. Are we good to go? <laughs> when are you? Do you ever leave town? I know. Hell no. <laughs> you need a bye week though? No, we, we, no bye weeks needed. Okay. Like, like Belichick and Brady said, no days off. Okay, so so okay. We're, uh, we're getting after it. Hey man, I highly recommend my bye week. <laughs> yes. How was uh, your birthday? Oh, it, was, it was fantastic. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank, no, it's congratulations. It's appropriate <laughs> because 54 was not easy. <laughs> getting to 54 was not easy. It's been thrilling. It's been exciting. Exciting, it's suspenseful at times, mm. uh, but happy to be here at 54. Happy to be with you guys as well. Yeah. So, well, how was your trip to Wrigleyville? You know, it's a beautiful setting um, to watch that game there. And we were on a rooftop across yeah. from Wrigley and, and left field, and a great spot because we could see both end zones. Um, and there's some seats inside the stadium that were worse than what what our seats right. were. Um, you know, and then the game starts, and Iowa gets three 15-yard defensive penalties on Northwestern can't <laughs> score and you're just like what's happening you know when they get to the 35 it goes into park they're oh, not yeah. going to go forward and mm-hmm. so I had bet over 30 and a half I'd bet over 31 I'm thankful that the state of Illinois does not allow you to bet on your app on Illinois college teams mm-hmm. um, you have to do it over the counter because I would have kept probably betting this mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. Uh, and then I thought well we're going to get lucky because they tied it at seven with two minutes to go I said a couple overtimes a lot of twos <laughs> I can still get there who knows I mean Whoa. they go three 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 two 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 it gets to 31 um, but uh not to be, they complete the long pass and the kid nails it. I was calling for them to please carry Brian Ferentz off on your shoulder and then just dump him somewhere. And don't take him back. <laughs> I mean, the Iowa fans were something. No, they were all, it was 95%. Oh, yeah. Every time they ran in, they're like, great call, Brian. I mean, the oh, whole no. game. It's, no. it's that kind of vibe there? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that'll be tough. Hey, only three oh. weeks left of the regular season, Hawkeye fans. And they're going to mm. be in the Big Ten Championship gonna, game. Actually, yeah, What's the actually. number? 26, 27? Oh. Team total five and a half against Michigan. I'm, I'm just I mean, projecting yeah. out Michigan could be lower against yeah, Especially State. if Michigan has something to prove in that game. They're <laughs> trying to <laughs> tell everyone to shove it after what might happen later on today. Yeah. Uh, we will be keeping our eyes on the uh, the Twitter streets to see if Michigan, any sort of punishment happens in college football. Uh, there's reports that Jim Harbaugh will be on the plane one way or another according to sources. So uh, the College Football National beat writers, of course, uh, uh, very, very busy. So we'll be finding out what happens with that maybe later in the show. Could be later on this afternoon. But we do have a fun show on deck for you guys over these next two hours. Joining us in 30 minutes, Chad Brown, former NFL player, now turned analyst for Westwood One. We'll discuss the NFL, maybe talk a little bit of college football, but we'll get his thoughts on the NFL.
NFL, his midseason takeaways now that we are well underway in week number 10. Then in hour number two at 1130 West Coast time, 230 Pacific, or rather 230 Eastern, I should say, uh, Michael Calabrese, college football betting analyst over at the Action Network, will join us to give out his college football card for the weekend. It's not as big a weekend as we saw last week, but still like a really important weekend as now that we're heading into the month of November here where the games really start to get important all across the country. But first, let's talk about the thrilling, exciting captivating Thursday night football game that we saw last night. Chicago Bears beat the Carolina Panthers 16 to 13. This one was ugly, gentlemen. Mm. Did you guys bet this? I bet it. You did. I bet it. I I took the three and a half of the Carolina Panthers and I'm glad I won, but I'm, I'm a little upset that I actually watched the game. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's the only reason why to watch it, right? Because you had a bet on it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I advocate. I said, hey, yeah. if you're going to watch this game, make sure you find either a side, right. total, or a prop, something to have on this game because it's going to be a tough one. But what were, what were your guys' takeaways from the game as the Bears improved 3-7 and seven, and now 2-2 two and two under Tyson Bajan? Well, you know, Young is is... It's hard to see the upside for me yeah. with, with Young. And even his some of his mechanics, when he's able to get outside the pocket, the mechanics are bad too. Yeah. He's, he's, I said he looks small from week one. He looks small behind these big offensive lines. Um, I don't know where they go from here. They're a long way off. I'll tell you something. The Bears, with their defense healthy, they are good run defense. Mm-hmm. Teams aren't going to be able right. to run the ball, which is a handicapping angle going forward with the team that you might not feel inclined to bet on all the time. But I, I think that's an angle you could do. I know when we were talking about props yesterday on primetime, I said I would look only at receiving props on the Carolina side because I don't even know how long they're going to try to run the right. football, which they what they run it for 40 yards. I mean, yeah. it, it was nothing. 16 attempts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, then you got to get the kid to complete the passes. But um, I, I was interested in this game because I kept asking Jeff Benson and Derek, how many people are going to get like a little jiggy like Femi and use the Bears in Survivor this week? <laughs> right? Because you do those zigzag moves and use teams. Get that, a little frisky. A little frisky. Jiggy, and frisky. I can't, I can't say it, obviously, because people still have to put their yeah. picks in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might surprise some people when when Jeff and Derek Ooh, announce it. Mm, oh, man. Paulie uh, said five. No more than five. I said, okay. come on. I said and, and 50. I Jeff Benson say. said 10. Derek yeah. said 25. Only because we'll see Carolina what happens. is that fadeable, basically, right? On I the mean, road, a short road, week of the worst yeah. team, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it makes sense that way, but then... <laughs> you're sweating though a little bit. At some bit. point, right. you're gonna have what? to sweat. Yeah. You're still in. I thought. Yeah. Oh, I hope you're still yeah. in. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. I didn't use the bears. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we no, didn't. Yeah. So, well. do, do you have do you have Dallas and Detroit still yep. available? Yep. And that's the so. Dilemma. That's the thing, right? Yeah, you can the use dilemma. the free square Dallas yeah. if you're confident in Detroit on Thanksgiving, yeah. which yeah. there are 397 of the 1153 that still have both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which I think it's a, a large yeah. a large portion will use Dallas this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, right. Yeah. yeah. It's a big yeah. advantage. So, you know, getting to that game though, guys. Uh, like uh, the only way I would ever yeah. bet that game would be on a teaser. Uh, and I know Michael Lombardi crushes you <laughs> sometimes <laughs> about teasers. So he, says, like, he said everyone wants to tease, hey, and they call it a tease for hey, a reason. I I know. Like, All right. well, well, Michael, um, I'll tell you what, growing up here in Vegas and the teaser syndicate yeah. is the weapon they use against the books. And it, and it works out. I mean, think about it. Like if you, if you tease Carolina at all, um, you were happy about that game, yeah. or certainly, or well, at least whatever you paired it with or however you want to uh, go forward with it. Um, but, you know, that game w- with the quarterback, you're on to something, Michael. I mean, or Mike, uh, it's like Bryce Young is a college quarterback still. Yeah. He's not a professional quarterback yet. Um, and I know Herb Street was doing his best to defend him and say, well, they need stuff around him and all that. And well, yeah, that's true for a lot of bad teams, right? And, you know, Aikman got Michael Irvin, or Irvin was there before Aikman, and then certainly Emmitt Smith. I mean, eventually you're going to build some stuff. But what can you build with, with Bryce Young when, when he is at his peak in terms of size and strength, Right. Uh, and it's only going to go downhill. You're only going to get hurt from here. And that's for any player. Uh, so uh, he's got a big uphill. Uh, and I don't know how they're going to fix it. And on top of the fact that they got Frank Reich, who I don't know if he's the right guy for that job either, to build a roster and, and, and to, to have faith or have the confidence of the players. Because obviously some of the coaching decisions he made towards the end of the game were like, wait a minute, I thought you were an analytics guy. Uh, but yet you throw that out the window and oh, you try a 59-yard field goal. 
what was the timeout that he took that there too. on that third day? Yeah, that I, too. Was, I was going crazy watching the game at home, and like the broadcast never even really no, brought it yeah. up. And I was like, are you guys not paying attention to what's Well, Al's half asleep on no, no, there anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was telling my fiance, I said, Al's not on the back nine. He's in the clubhouse. He's, <laughs> he's in, in the clubhouse right now, ready to go home. But, I mean, like the fact that it never got brought up on the broadcast, and then like it ended up being a big factor yeah. when Chicago gets a football yeah. to where mm-hmm. the clock keeps running down. It's like, yeah, if only they had a third timeout to stop the clock. Sure. I, I could not believe that they took that timeout. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love the fact that Chicago threw the ball to get the first down. Too. They did, yeah. And most teams would just eat the try to eat clock and uh, burn off time and then well, punt it away or whatever. But no, let's go win the football game. And so I love that. And you, you have no choice if you're Chicago. Though, I don't right? love it, though, Rich. I don't no. love it because I'd rather punt the ball back to him at 35. So what are they going to do with 35 seconds left? Mm-hmm. I don't want to give him a minute, a minute and 20. Mm-hmm. I just I, I don't think it's the percentage play because you might still be able to rush for the yeah. r- rush for the first down. There's so many game management decisions. That are, <laughs> I mean, bowls. So obvious. It helped him that they did that review. Okay, I'll take the 10-second runoff. It would have been perfect. Right. And you want to save a timeout if something goes wrong, if he gets sacked. What? He took the timeout. You get to 49, and then you score on the next play, and you let Stroud become a legend. I'm you glad you I said I'm glad you said something about, um, you know, punting it away, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what was the phrase you just used in terms of uh, clock management or, or so, so like the analytics part of it, mm-hmm. right? Because here I am as a player, yeah. we would rather go for it. And, and so a lot of times on the sideline, we want to urge the coaches to say, look, let's win the game. Let's win the game. So from a betting standpoint, it really is a, um, a divergence of, of thought processes right there. And so when, when we're betting and then we watch teams and we see them try to make a decision out there and it's like, okay, why did they make that decision? That's why. A lot of times it does become an emotional decision out there. I go back to, you know, they talk about crystal ball and he didn't take the knee. Right. I go back to Oregon when Herbert and they beat Wisconsin in, the, in that Rose Bowl mm-hmm. and he had third and three. If they run the ball, they could have punted with 15 seconds left and punted from the plus 40. What were the odds Wisconsin could do anything with two plays left? Right. They threw the pass. They won. They go, whoa, what a great. But what? You were had the what game one anyhow. And you might have run third and three and gotten it. I just think they're, it's too risky. The 45 seconds is more important yeah. to run that off the clock. I guess my whole point is that a lot of decisions on the sideline are more emotional than thought out. But are the players influencing those decisions? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Is it, is it, can a quarterback tell uh, sending mm-hmm. a punt unit and tell the coach, no, we got sure. this. Hey, you and, go, and they say, okay. Depends on the quarterback. Depends on the quarterback, absolutely. Yeah quarterback like Peyton Manning or Straw or yeah. even Patrick Mahomes. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times they could overrule. But then if you're Andy Reid, you're not going to overrule no, a, lot, no. a lot of times that way. But, uh, you know, from a betting standpoint, that's information that you need to have that a lot of those uh, decisions on the sideline are certainly emotional and impactful from a lot of players as well as coaches. If the Colts were or Colts, if the Panthers would have won that game, was Eberflus getting fired this weekend? Hmm. I don't. I don't think so. It doesn't sound like they want to get rid of him right now. I was wondering if Frank Reich might get. Well, he's in his first year. Though. How are you going to fire him in the first year, Femi? It's, it, it, it's been an absolute disaster. You're, you're supposed to be the QB guru, and look yeah, at the offense. I don't know. I, I think it's too soon. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk more Panthers and get some other NFL news and notes on the other side. We're just getting warmed up here on the Lombardi Line. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Mike Palm and Mike Pritchard. Now here is your host, Timmy Abbefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine and More. Drink responsibly, be 21. That's about that time. The holiday is almost here, less than two weeks from Thanksgiving. Go out there in Total Wine and see what you got cooking over there. This is the Lombardi Line. <laughs> Femi Bebfe, Mike Palm, Mike Pritchard here hanging out on a football Friday. And joining us now to preview the second half of the season and give us some of his thoughts is former All-Pro, now a radio analyst over at Westwood One, the one and only Chad Brown joining us here on the Lombardi Line. Chad, we appreciate the time as always. And now that we're halfway through this season, I guess what has kind of stood out to you the most from surprises, like whether it might be a good team or a team that you thought would be good that ended up being bad, what surprised you the most through the through the first half of this season? Uh, I think for me, it makes me have me on, guys. I think the, the biggest surprise team right now is San Francisco. To start the season with five wins in a row and then now to drop the last four um, surprising parties, I think we had some questions and some doubts about Brock Purdy going into this year. But the 49ers slide over the last couple of weeks has been on their defense, which we thought was going to be an unstoppable unit. So it just goes to show the NFL is always on a week-by-week basis, and you've always got to reevaluate things almost every single week and re-slot things because you can't just assume a team that was a preseason favorite, like the 49ers were, are going to just glide their way into a playoff run. They've got to earn it on the field, and right now that defense is not getting it done for them. Chad, I want to ask you about a matchup in the AFC North this weekend. Um, We saw in week three, Baltimore, who wasn't fully healthy then, went into Cleveland and really dominated them. And it was really the only game that the Cleveland defense showed some signs of vulnerability. But Cleveland offensively does not convert third downs, and they can't keep their offense on the field. Now you go to Baltimore, where the Ravens just destroyed the Lions and the Seahawks in consecutive home games. This line's still sitting at six and a half under a touchdown. Is there any reason to think that Cleveland can keep this game close? I don't think so. I think Cleveland's got a tremendous defense, as you, as you talked about, but the offense and Deshaun Watson certainly leaves a lot to be desired, and Baltimore's now won four in a row, and they are maybe the hottest team right now in the NFL. I know the Eagles have only lost one game, but Baltimore, with the way they're playing, with the way Lamar Jackson's playing, not only is he an MVP candidate, but he has his offense operate at a very high level. OBJ is getting involved. There's a lot to be said for Baltimore. Um, but as far as Cleveland's offense, I'm just not feeling it. Chad, pleasure to talk with you again. Um, uh, I want to stay in the AFC North uh, with one of your former teams that you have intimate knowledge with, of course, uh, uh, and, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because so many people are making – uh, or, or creating noise about Pittsburgh and the fact that they're five and three and they've been outgaining every game, right? And they're not really out of sync offensively, but defensively, uh, the last few games are only allowing 17 points per game. Can you help us understand the job that Mike Tomlin is doing 
uh, with this squad, and can they cover? Can they cover three and a half or three points against Green Bay this weekend? Well, Green Bay is a work in progress, and yeah. Jordan Love is a real work in progress. He's going to be probably 15 to 17 Jordan Love throws where you are going to love those throws. They look great. They're on time. They're accurate. But there's going to be three to five throws during the course of a game where you're just like, oh, my gosh, this kid's got a long way to go. Um, you know, the Packers and the Broncos, I'm here in Denver, got together a couple weeks ago. And Jordan Love had that Green Bay team in a position to win, but then he throws out, goes out and throws a game-sealing interception, uh, a really ill-advised throw on, on a third and long situation where it's like given some more experience, given some more time under center, hopefully he would be past that. I'm, I'm seeing that kind of situation show up almost every single game for Jordan Love versus the Steelers team. And to your point, Pritch, Mike Thomas got them going in the, in the right direction defensively. T.J. Watt seems to make a game-saving or game-winning play almost every single week. Kenny Pickett in this offense, they, they are still a work in progress. The Steelers have given up 30 more points than they've scored over the course of the season. <laughs> I believe they're the only winning team where the point differential is favoring their opponents. But they're finding ways to win. So uh, I know Mike Tomlin is under a little bit of fire out there in Pittsburgh. Folks are looking for somebody to, you know, maybe take this team to the next level. But I think Mike Tomlin's done a tremendous job this year with the limitations of this football team, particularly this offense, and going out and finding ways weekend, I mean not weekend and week out, but most weeks finding ways finding ways to win. <laughs> That's funny. The, the local sentiment can be much different than the national sentiment because nationally, Tomlin's being talked about as one of the coaches of the year. And then locally, everyone's there clamoring for him to maybe fire Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. Here we're hanging out with Chad Brown, former NFL player, now an NFL analyst and college football analyst over at Westwood One. Well, here, Chad, let's, I want to talk about the team that is in the area that where you live in, right? In the Denver Broncos, because the, before the bye week, we saw them beat. Green Bay, like you mentioned, they also beat Kansas City, both those games at home. Do you think that the Broncos can kind of morph into a team that they thought that they would be this offseason? Maybe they can maybe make a playoff run sitting here currently at three and five in the second half of the season. This is going to be a great test uh, against the Bills on Monday night. Uh, is this Broncos team for real or were those last two wins a bit of fool's gold? I, I already talked about that Packers game and some of the mistakes that Jordan Love made and then playing a the Kansas City team where Patrick Mahomes had the flu, and they caught Kansas City maybe at the perfect time. Um, so is that the case, or is this Broncos team actually going to be a team that could, to your point, make a wild card run as the season goes along? Vance Joseph, uh, Pritch is my former CU teammate, has gotten this defense turned around after they gave up that 70-burger to the Dolphins earlier this year. Uh, he's changed some personnel. He's changed some things schematically. And they're playing at a much higher level. Sean Payton and Russell Wilson seem to have kind of found a formula. The Broncos ran the ball for 40 times against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and they limited Russell Wilson. I think he, he was 12 of 19 passing for 114 yards. Seven of those 12 completions were to running backs. So he's not pushing the ball down the field. Sean Payton's really trying to limit Russell Wilson, therefore limit the Russell Wilson mistakes that we saw far too often last year when Nathaniel Hackett was the head coach. So uh, could this be a formula for a playoff run? I don't necessarily think so. And I think this Bills game coming up and a couple of these next games for the Broncos, the Vikings with Josh Jobs looking like they've found things in the right direction. We've already talked about the Cleveland Browns, and that very tough defense they have. And then D'Amico Ryans, C.J. Stroud, and the Texans are you know a couple of games down the road for the Broncos. This stretch of game is going to be really revealing. And I look for this Monday night game against the Bills to – be a test for the Broncos. Can this formula they found over the last two weeks be replicated? You know, Chad, uh, get your thoughts too uh, on some awards here, midseason awards, because uh, I think uh, you'll you'll have some great insight on this. Defensive Player of the Year. Um, it's interesting because you know T.J. Watt is making a case for it. You, Garrett. I mean, all these guys are out there. Uh, who is your Defensive Player uh, of the Year midseason so far? Uh, I, you know, we talked about T.J. Watt earlier on this call, and he's made some amazing plays. But Miles Garrett, man, mm. I, I are you kidding me? <laughs> um, as, as a guy who who, who played that position, uh, not to that level, but played that position, that edge position, uh, Miles Garrett does things every week that blows my mind. 
Um, he is literally that good and playing at that high of a level. Um, we are being rewarded as football fans with some of the best edge guys in the last 20 years, all almost competing every single week to see who can put together the most dynamic performance or the most game-winning play. So whether it's Bosa in San Francisco, I know his sack numbers are down a bit, whether it's T.J. Watt, whether it's Miles Garrett, um, there are some amazing guys playing on the defensive side of the ball, and Miles Garrett right now is my defensive player of the year. Chad, before we let you go, we got to ask you about the Buffs. You're in Pritch's Colorado Buffaloes. <laughs> they are a 10-point home underdogs this weekend against the Arizona Wildcats. Has kind of the shine has started to sort of wear off here of Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes, at least in this first season. Do you think that they can keep things competitive on Saturday? And, and what's going on with the play calling? Man, the, the, the Buffs are finding themselves in a bad spot. After, after a great start to the season, gathering you know the whole college football world's attention and ESPN College Game Day and Fox Big Noon kickoff kind of following them around like they were groupies as they were moving around the country. <laughs> it was amazing to watch. But to your point, the shine has come off. And now we've got this Sean Lewis, former head coach at Kent State, offensive coordinator with Colorado Buffaloes, but kind of being demoted for Pat Shermer, longtime NFL coach. who uh, He was a guy who was the offensive coordinator for the Broncos a couple of years back didn't move the Broncos offense forward at all and then get the play calling responsibility last week for the Buffalo and doesn't help them either. Now he called a little bit more run plays than Sean Lewis called, which kind of protected that offensive line a bit more. Um, but the results were still the same. So Arizona's playing some really good football. They may be the hottest team in the Pac-12. I know Washington and, and, and Oregon are top five, uh, top 10 football teams. But the hottest team right now in the Pac-12 is, is Arizona. They're playing such great football, so I can't see the Buffs really find a way to compete and keeping it close on Saturday. And point spread yeah. right now over in Boulder. He is Chad Brown, former NFL. And you were selling yourself short about Miles Garrett. You were a couple two-time All-Pro as That's well. Right, Don't sell yourself short, all right? So Chad Absolutely. Brown joins us as always. Check him out over at Westwood One. We appreciate it as always, Chad. Be well. On VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. It is our number two of the Lombardi line. Hanging out with you guys now on the DraftKings Network. We say hello, and you can view us over on Samsung TV Plus, over on Ruko and Zumo Play as well. Femi Bebefe alongside the VP of Operations here at Circa, Mike Palm, and also VEASAN NFL analyst, played nearly a decade in the National Football League, former first-round pick and national champion with the Colorado Buffaloes, the one and only Mike Pritchard joining us here in studio as we hang out triple option style here on our Football Friday. We do have a guest that's going to be joining us as well in 30 minutes. Michael Calabrese, college football betting analyst from the Action Network, will get his plays on all things college football. We will get into the college football slate. Michigan-Penn State, very interesting game over there in Happy Valley. Not a wideout, though. Interesting enough, though. It's a big noon kickoff game, uh, so you up and early at it over in Happy Valley. But let's get to some of the bigger games in the NFL this weekend. And I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on this game in Jacksonville between the Niners and the Jaguars. Right now, San Francisco, a three-point favorite. Total sitting at 44.5 over at DraftKings. Uh, where do you guys land on this game? But Both teams coming off the bye, kind of going in opposite directions, though. Go ahead, Pritch. <laughs> well, I mean, the 49ers, and Chad Brown alluded to this, I mean, they're tinkering still. I, you yeah. know, Wilkes is under. Well, is he moving from the booth down to the sideline now? Yep. Um, so they're not a finished product. And I think when you get into November, the mid part of November into December, you want to start getting hot. Uh, but San Francisco's tinkering defensively, which is fascinating with me, with personnel, right? Uh, and, and I don't know what that's uh, indicating. Offensively, uh, taking a step back to, uh, obviously, it's some injuries uh, did that in uh, in terms of the hot start that they had. I, I You know, the thing about this game is I don't want to say people are sleeping on Jacksonville, but they might be. Uh, they might not be accepting the fact that Jacksonville's defense is one of the better defenses in the National Football League right now. Uh, and they're physical. And then on offense, they got this transcendent player who played in college and he was a transcendent type of player at quarterback. And now it seems like his confidence is changing, too. Uh, and, and the, the accompanying players that he has around him, ATN is, is incredible. Or, and I think Peterson's starting to understand those guys and what they're capable of. The receivers, 
Uh, you can put that receiving core, uh, in, including the tight end, uh, against a lot of people. Now, the offensive line is where you have concerns from a matchup standpoint in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville's offensive line against Bosa uh, at this point and, and all these names that the 49ers are tinkering with. So I got this as a close game underneath the field goal. I mean, I like the points for Jacksonville. Yeah, I know you're on San Francisco, right? Yep. This is your play of the century. Play uh, of the century. <laughs> you said your favorite play of the year Ten so far. star lock right? of the season. Ten star lock. It is my you favorite said, bet of the season. Wow. I thought you were going to say favorite bet of the week. He said favorite no, bet of the, of the season. Yeah. He's, season. Been, He's and, been a Jacksonville hater, though. So. I have been, I've been a Jacksonville. So Duval County, come at me. But favorite play of the season. Well, and then you got Pritchett and that. He's the underachieving Jacksonville Jaguar. <laughs> Here's your underachieving Jaguars. 14-3 and three in their last 17 yeah. regular season games. Yeah. If Chad Henney doesn't go 97 yards at Arrowhead, they're probably in the AFC championship yep. game, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I would rather take the field goal here, but I'm on the under 44 okay. and a half. Mm-hmm. We've seen Purdy have some struggles. This game, the Chiefs came down there in week two in perfect weather. That game was 17 to nine. I think this is a low scoring game. I think this is 21-17. I think this is a, a tight game like you said. So I don't want to lay the three. If two and a half is a different story. I don't want to lay a whole field goal. I think it's a close, low scoring game. I'm in the under here. That'll be one of my contest plays for Matt as well. But aren't some of the woes for the 49ers due to injury with like Trent Williams, who's missed the last couple of games, also didn't finish the game against Cleveland? Because like, I just keep going back to the when the Niners were healthy, Mm-hmm. The first five weeks of the season, they looked like the best team in the NFL. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the last three weeks, they weren't healthy. And then they started to get some slippage. And even with the slippage, a couple plays go different ways. If Moody makes the kick in Cleveland, they win that game. And then if the Oakles will kind of don't turn the football over in Minnesota, maybe if they don't have that gaff at the end of the first half, maybe they win that game as well. Like it feels like it's been a couple plays here and there that all of a sudden has now jump started this three game losing streak. Now the Bengal game, nothing to say about that. Cincinnati kind of kicked their tails, but that's Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't think Jacksonville is Cincinnati in that regard. So like, I I like laying it here. I think with Trent Williams back and he got back to practice yesterday, uh, Debo Samuel's back as well. I think their physicality will be back. And the Snyder's offense that was so efficient in the first five weeks, I think we see that offense once again on Sunday. Well, the thing about injuries, Fim, is um, you know Trent and that ankle, it's going to bother him. He's still going to yeah. play hurt, right? He's he's able to play. Whereas the pain and all this stuff or, or limitations from the in, significant injury uh, is going to keep him out of a game or, or, or keep him neutralized. But he's still going to have to deal with it. Right. Uh, and so it's like the, I, I think and I don't know if betters have this perception. That, oh, he's back. That means he's 100 percent. No, no, you're never 100 uh, percent going through a uh, 17 game schedule. So can he suck it up enough and play well enough against Josh Allen and all those other guys up front? Uh, for Jacksonville. I would say if, if and ands were pots and pans, the whole world would be a kitchen in your whole city. <laughs> I didn't care if they won those three games, yeah. okay? I still don't, wouldn't want to lay three in this spot yeah. going across the country, playing a very solid Jacksonville team that's, to your point, overlooked. Yeah. Overlooked. And we say, who's the best? Is Kansas City the best? Is it Cleveland? Is it Baltimore? Miami? How about Jacksonville? Yeah. How about they, they have a right to make a claim to being the best in the AFC? So I ask you that, and then I also ask you this. What is Jacksonville's – what is their signature win? I'm looking at their schedule right now. Their signature win so far this season is beating Buffalo overseas in London. Buffalo, what we're watching the last month. Well, they got the they got a guy, look good. They got a guy everybody thinks is the MVP. Yeah. They do have they, that. They, 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 they beat him. I mean, they took it. They're a good travel schedule team. Sure. They're they beat good. the, they, they beat the so. midseason MVP. But, like, honestly, though, they, they beat the Colts twice. Sorry to our producer, Elliot. The hashtag for the shoe is not very good this year. They beat the Falcons, who everyone wants to run out. Arthur Smith off his job, and rightfully so. New Orleans is New Orleans. I mean, they needed five turnovers to beat Bajent, and then they beat the Steelers, I who think can't Steelers, outgain anybody. The Steelers is their signature win to me. Is it, that impressive? Uh, to go into Heinz Field and win by two scores? Yeah. The Steelers muck up everything. Yeah, they do. They're, they're not an easy team. And it was a bad weather game, yeah. too. I think that's their signature. Right. I get your point. That's, I just Here's the thing that's incredible to me, is that this is your best play of the year. <laughs> it's okay, you know, and, and usually you like dogs, and you like yeah. ugly dogs and that. This is your best play of the I, year. I, I think that this is San Francisco at a discount, and I said, hey, if you're going to give me the Niners at a discount against Jacksonville, I'm going to take it every single would day you, and see what happens. Would you play this on one of those pleaser cards where you, you like lay nine and a half at those along? You know what I mean? You're very confident in this pick, right? Yeah. Alternate yes. line minus six and a half. Would you look, minus I mean, six and a half is honestly interesting. I mean, if, if you what's, could take, what's, what's the, what's the number? If you could take 180 at six and a half. 
half. What would it take? Two dollars? I, I think two dollars. Okay. Two dollars, I'd be interested. You're pretty confident. I, yeah. I, I just like the <laughs> yeah. Niners. I think after those losses, I think we've forgotten how good this team is. Now that they're once again whole and healthy. And they've added a little bit of Chase Young to go ahead on the other side of, of Nick Bosa. I think they're going to get after Trevor. Along with Gregory like, and who else? Are they? Who else are they, 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 they got the whole crew. So, so, Armstead. So do you like them to win the NFC then is what you're saying? You think this is the best team? I still think they're the best team in the NFC. At least as we sit here at the midseason point. Now, maybe the Eagles make me shut up, but I still think the 49ers, until we see them struggle as as healthy, I still have them as the best team in the NFC. Uh, Speaking of which, the best team maybe in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens. We talked about this game with our guest Chad Brown in the first hour, but I want to get your guys' thoughts. Baltimore is now six and a half point favorite across the board. Actually, six still here at Circa if you want to go ahead and lay it with Baltimore. Total 38, though. How do you guys see this one with the midseason MVP versus the midseason defensive player of the year? You know, all my future bets on the positive side were on Cleveland. I don't think I was wrong about how good the defense is, and yet the offense can't stay on the field. And that was the problem, even though it was Walker, you know, you can't convert third down. Right. So the worst third down team, mm-hmm. that defense can't play 34 minutes, not against a team like the Ravens. And the Ravens, to me, they look like the best team in football. Forget the AFC. This has been a yep. dominant performance on both sides of the ball. There's a lot to like about them. I laid six and a half. I think maybe now I'm going to go tease them and, yep. and tease up Jacksonville just mm-hmm. so I can be squarely aligned against Femi in this game. <laughs> not, because I don't want to root against them if I don't have a play. Yeah, but yeah, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Right, right, right. I, I, this is my my best play of the weekend is, is yeah. the Ravens. No, I mean, I, I teased uh, Baltimore <laughs> last week. So, I mean, I, the thing about Baltimore, yeah. uh, nobody's talking about their offensive line mm-hmm. uh, fully mm-hmm. intact. I mean, yeah. Staley back there. Uh, and, and you look at the offensive line for Cleveland, they're banged up and and Chubb's gone. So it's not the same offense. And Deshaun Watson is not going to turn back the clock four or five years uh, and all of a sudden be a miracle uh, maker out there. So I I think Cleveland's kind of neutralized in what they can evolve to. Stefanski uh, is just not that kind of coach or play caller. Uh, And and I I think Baltimore just has it going. They they are clicking. Mm -hmm. Lamar is in full control of this offense. Uh, He's very confident too. Uh, and he's got a contingent of players around him that can make plays, you know, and if all of them play in their A, their a game, uh, I think they could blow out Cleveland, to be honest with you. They did the first time in yeah, Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah, it was a 28 to three. Yeah. I mean, also, that was Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback. But Watson hasn't been much better, to right. be quite honest. Right, like, right. He hasn't been much better behind center. Injury notes so on the Cleveland Browns offensive line. Dewan James at right tackle. He has not practiced all week long. Mm-hmm. And then Jedrick Wills, who we saw go on IR last week. So we could be looking at two backup offensive tackles for the Cleveland Browns. Maybe this hits seven by the time we get to the weekend. I like, keep thinking I think it's it, going to. I think yeah. we might get yeah. there. I mean, the, I mean, who's stepping in front of Baltimore? I did last week and I learned in 15 minutes. Minutes, I'm gonna lose my bet. Like, right who's, who's gonna? You didn't have to sweat it. I didn't have to sweat. No. <laughs> hey, lose it, whatever. Don't have to watch the game. But who wants to step in front of them? I think we actually. I think we close seven here with the yeah, Baltimore yeah. Ravens against the Cleveland Browns. Their defensive front is phenomenal too. It, it is really good. Yeah, they got Clowney playing yeah. well. They send us sign him in August. <laughs> right. Oh, hey, wait, what's going on? Uh, let's talk about though the the the, Cle- the Cincinnati Bengals. Sorry, <laughs> against the Houston Texans. Cincinnati they have injuries at wide receiver and at pass rusher. T. Higgins has been ruled out. Sam Hubbard, their secondary pass rusher, he's been ruled out. Sounds like Chase questionable, but it looks like he'll be able to go. Uh, they're laying six and a half against the upstart Houston Texans. Forty-seven is our total. Can Houston hang with one of the AFC big boys? Um, I won't play this game. To me, the the intrigue is: Will this be the most popular play in? survivor if you didn't Ooh. have the injuries you might have 850 because everybody has them available they never could use it with burrow injured early mm-hmm. in the year so i think there's 11 20 <laughs> you know, that's why you're that's well, why you, that's why it's a lot of theory right now for you Femi. but, but 11, i think it's 11 20 out of 11 50 have this team left right wow. yeah. so but now it becomes interesting because with the injuries mm-hmm. now if you have dallas and detroit you probably use dallas but if you don't and you can't use Dallas because you only have them, you don't have Detroit, then I think this is your survivor play. Yeah, you know, it's tough because of what they evolved into, and now that could be slowed down a bit because of injury. Uh, and they can't run the ball dominantly like they need to, right? And I, I, I'm i curious about Houston. Mass unit, uh, but <laughs> curious about taking the points with Houston, though. We'll wrap up our NFL discussion to wrap up the show, but coming up next, we'll get into the marquee games in college football. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. 
But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Mike Palm and Mike Pritchard. Now here is your host, Timmy Abbefe, on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VSIN.com slash picks page, sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VSIN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VSIN expert has the hot hand. For VSIN Pro picks, betting splits, betting guides, plus 24 7 video access, become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. Sign up now and get access to everything we do through May 1st for only $120 at VSIN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line, hanging out with you guys on the DraftKings Network. Femi Abebefe, Mike Palm, Mike Pritchard here on a football Friday. Let's transition, gentlemen, over to college football because we do have a big game that will be uh, kicking off the action Saturday morning over in Happy Valley as Michigan, the number three ranked team in the country, according to the College Football Playoff Committee, will take on Penn State in a top 10 showdown in the Big Ten East. Wolverines right now four-point favorites over at DraftKings. Total is at 45 so many weird narrative angles, I think, that you could play with this game. I'm curious to see where you guys land with this uh, big game in the Big Ten. I'm curious to see where Pritch lands, too. <laughs> I know where I am, but I'm, I'm curious to say, see where he lands. Well, I, I mean, everybody's waiting for Penn State to take that next step. And it's like, oh, is this going to be the game? <laughs> We've been waiting a decade. Oh, right, right. Uh, they got, they've evolved with the quarterback situation. Okay, but I didn't see that against Ohio State. Not I at all. I didn't see any of that, right? And for any time for that to happen, I should have saw that then. Uh, running the ball, okay, Michigan, we know Michigan can run the football. And I think when you travel that way, running the football, when you have that type of mindset, uh, you're looking to dominate. Um, so I don't know if four and a half is enough, uh, to be honest with you. I like Michigan in this game. I made this game six. Okay. Um, I'm a little concerned because a lot of people lining up here to bet Penn State. I, f- mm-hmm. I, find, it, really? I find it curious. I saw in Bill 80's email, I mean, I don't think there was a Michigan player of the people who, who put their picks in early uh, of our, our analysts oh. here this week. It was all Penn State. Uh, I like Michigan. Um, you know, it starts with small games, James. Mm-hmm. They, they yeah. don't win these games. But more concerning was the play calling at Ohio State. They would not throw the football on yeah. their own side of the field. Not till they got to midfield did they take any chances. 
which you can't do that against Michigan. You're not going to be able to line up the ball and run it down there. They're going to have to take chances throwing the ball. And unless Michigan turns the ball over three or more times, I don't think that they can stay stay with them in this spot. I, I And I don't think they score much either. I think this is a game that looks like another Ohio State game where you're looking at, you know, 27-10. I don't mind the under either here. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But I like Michigan here. Yeah, I was going to say, would you parlay Michigan with the under? Like- I never parlay a favorite with the under. Yeah, I, okay. Just because of the, the mathematics of it. Yeah, it gives you a short window. It, it Maybe if it's under a field goal, mm-hmm. but no, I wouldn't do it in this spot. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys as well, mm-hmm. which maybe maybe we're missing the boat on Penn State uh-huh. here. But I think Penn State's got to prove it to us that they can win these types of games. And if you're going to bet plus four and a half, you're pretty much saying that they're going to be competitive to the point to where they might actually be able to win, yeah. which I don't see how that happens. Like based on what we've seen from Michigan so far this season, and I get the schedule has been cupcake city. Like they have played. Who's their best no- win? <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I picked up a on somebody. They said Rutgers. I said it's UNLV. Uh-huh. UNLV yeah, is, yeah. Their, is their best yeah. win, Honestly. actually. Right? But it's a continuation of what yeah. they've been, though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not like, I no. mean, the schedule is a schedule. Um, yeah. uh, you know, Penn State, I've been waiting for Penn State to break out since Bo Nix and Auburn went up there yeah. years ago. <laughs> um, and, and that's that didn't happen. So I, I just don't. I don't want to wait on Penn State to break out, right? And I don't think they're going to break out against Michigan. I remember that game very vividly mm-hmm. because I had met Metcalf on them all was out on a Friday. So then they would let me have four guests and just interview people. <laughs> and so I had met Round Metcalf two, yeah. comes in, who, by the way, is just terrific when you can get him on. Mm-hmm. And he told me his real number on that game was 12. He thought Penn, you know, Penn State should just kill them in this game. And I remember watching the game. I know there were SEC refs right. that right. went up there. And it was, though. Remember, <laughs> yeah. it was an SEC yeah. crew. Yeah, I think it was a whiteout, but too. Right? It was. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. Auburn stayed right with yeah. them right to the he end did. of the game. And uh, it, a good point. That's yeah. a good call there. Yeah, and I just I can't get there with Penn State. They're going to have to show it to me before I can even, even think that they could win this sort of a game here. And uh, Michigan, like, like we said, haven't played anybody, but still their efficiency numbers and all that stuff far surpasses what we've seen from the Nittany Lions. Uh, how about Ole Miss and Georgia? The Georgia Bulldogs are 10.5 point favorites. The consensus number total is at 58. Ole Miss has kind of been like quietly lurking in the SEC West or so. Only a one-loss team now in the top 10. Uh, a big game out there for Ole Miss, but uh, we'll see what happens here now they're going between the hedges against a Georgia team that's getting a lot more comfortable letting Carson Beck throw the football down the field. Yeah, I think Georgia can score here. I just don't think the Mississippi defense is good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Georgia got tested by Missouri last week. Yep, Look, I mean, Georgia's had had to overcome slow starts. They trailed in the second half. I just don't I trust the Mississippi defense enough. I mean, you shouldn't give up 31 points or whatever they did to AM and yeah. at home yeah. uh, last week. So I'm not going to play the game. Um, but if Georgia wins by three scores, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, yeah. I, the thing about that, though, is I'd be in to take the points here yep. a little bit because I, you know Georgia they do start off slow mm-hmm. way too many mm-hmm. times but they get it going and then Kirby he'll come up with some type of blitz that will propel the Bulldogs right he'll come up with some timely play defensively uh, which he's able to do that with with those type of athletes and uh, therefore as far as winning the game I this is this is going to be a compelling game to me in terms of if Ole Miss can rally to, uh, rally together enough uh, and and play a solid game for at least three quarters. Uh, then that's why I would be compelled to take the points here. Yeah, I, I feel like Georgia, and it's hard to say that they've been overlooked since they're the two-time defending mm-hmm. national champions, uh-huh. but we've, there's been so much conversation about the Big Ten teams, about the Pac-12 teams, even there's been conversation about Alabama. Like It feels yeah. like we've just forgotten that Georgia feels like they haven't lost in forever, <laughs> and, they, and they just win a bunch of games, and they win these big games. So uh, I think Georgia goes out there and reminds everybody why they're one of the best teams in the country in this spot. Mm. We'll see what happens. Speaking of the Pac-12 teams, Mm. Washington hosting Utah in a mid-afternoon time slot. Fun game over there in Seattle. Huskies laying eight and a half, total 49 and a half. And I'm curious to see what we see from Washington in this game because you go from last week's track meet up and down the field. Everyone feels comfortable. And now you come to a phone booth facing the Utah U2. Yes, they're not at Rice-Eccles, but their physicality still travels. Uh, do you think this is a game that the Utes can keep this thing close and maybe give the Huskies a scare? Yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know in this game because I want to say no. I want to say that in, in Husky Stadium, this is going to be too much for them without, you know, without a prolific offense to stay with Washington. 
But Washington's not going to be able to run the ball like they did against you. They just said, look, we know we can run the ball yeah. against you. Why take any chances? And they actually went out and ran the ball. Um, I think Washington checks the box and moves on to the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon. I'm not sure what to do with the point spread here. Uh, so I'm not getting involved in this game because I do respect Whittingham. I mean, I really do. But I look at what Oregon did to them at Rice-Eccles. I mean, he basically conceded that game in the second half. Yeah, he yeah. was running out the clock and down three scores in the fourth. He, knew he had no shot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. out. which I respect him thinking how good Oregon was, you know. Yeah, it's not the strongest Utah team. I mean, no. Utah has been sneaky in terms of recruiting uh, and really Whittingham has put together some solid teams uh, over the years. This one's just not that type of caliber team. Uh, and to go on the road against a high-powered outfit like Washington, I, for Washington to just drop off or or, or, or play down uh, from a level that they've achieved, that's going to be hard to do, in my opinion, because uh, they can run it. And I think once you run the ball against SC the way that they did, that opens up a lot more things. And certainly uh, with Penix playing that way too, high, high, high efficient quarterback, uh, it, it could be too much. I know the lines come down, right? It was at nine. Yeah. And now it's at eight here uh, on the screen. I thought it could be six. That was earlier in the week, but uh, it's not going to do that. I mean, I, I just from a letdown standpoint, but no, I, I, I like Washington in the game. If we get Oregon-Washington here in Vegas for the Pac-12 and a berth in the playoff, it will be for a berth in the playoff. Yeah. They can't get shut out. No, I, no because I, I Texas, hope, I hope you're right. Texas will be the odd team out, I think. You think but so? Yeah. That brand. You're not putting a one-loss Texas in over a one-loss one Oregon, and Washington obviously is going to go right. in if they're undefeated. Do you think... Oregon will be a full field goal favorite. I do. I think it'll be more than that. You think it'll be more than a field goal in that I, game? Huh? Honestly, <laughs> yeah, Pac-12 championship. Based yeah. on what we've seen, mm. why can't it be six? Mm. I have to tell you that Oregon's my number one team. I they're think they're really the best good. team in the country. They're really good. And if good. they don't make it, Dan Lanning cost them this season <laughs> with that with those decisions, yeah. chasing yeah. those points all the way, and the ridiculous call at the end of the half to roll him all the way across the field and make sure he only got one play. <laughs> Which ludicrous. There was eight Huskies in that corner of the end zone by the time Nick's got to the other half. Sprint right. Let's it do was it. a ludicrous yeah. play. Yeah, I didn't understand. And a horrible that. play on third down in that last drive. The yeah. run into the middle of the line on I third mean, and two. I mean, Bo Nix might be minus 300 to win the Heisman. Have they won <laughs> minus <that game>? 800. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I do think that this is a little bit of a tricky game for Washington. Okay. Just, just because of Utah's physicality. And, like, I am a Husky fan. Like, I obviously want the program to do really well. But... This team, I don't think, is very physical. And when you play USC, yeah. that's fine. You can yeah. put up 50 points. What about when they played Oregon? And when you played Redmond. Oregon, but we saw Oregon outplayed them. It was yeah. a lot of it. Dan Landing yeah. kind of yeah. screwing it up there. Right, right, so like, right. I don't think Utah can score like Oregon scored. So I think Washington will still win. Yeah. But it wouldn't surprise me if this is like a touchdown game or mm -hmm. something, something like that. Like I think Utah's physicality, bringing Washington into the phone booth, I think it keeps it a little bit closer mm -hmm. than the market thinks. You go back and look at Washington in the non-cover -non in Tucson. And you have a little more respect for that game now, as yeah, well as Arizona. The Arizona is yeah, very good. good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember watching that game. Yeah. I was like, God, I can't, if we can't even beat Arizona. Then yeah. you fast forward to November, and it's like, oh, that's actually a really good win. That's a really good win on the road down there in yeah. Tucson. Uh, we will get to more college football on the other side. Michael Calabrese, college football betting analyst over at the Action Network, will give us his card and thoughts on the biggest games next here on the Lombardi Line. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.